Hi, I'm Lori Morton. And I'm Nikki Austin hyphen ship. And you're listening to Powerful, Powerful Life. Life. Lori, something happened with you this past week. What happened to me? You had a water issue, I thought. So let me let me just share my um, my dilemma. So I am back in my office two or three times a week, and I know a lot of our listeners may be kind of going back to work, or maybe they've already been back um, to work. So I realized that I don't drink as much water. So, you know, while I've been working at home the last year, I've been drinking like nearly a gallon of water a day. I mean, I'm just super proud of my water intake. That's amazing. Yeah, that because is. Because right. I can barely drink <laughs> three 16-ounce bottles. I've been getting it in. That's but wonderful. the bathroom mm-hmm. is right there. Mm-hmm. So in my office... <laughs> Okay, because I work at a college campus. So in my office, the bathrooms are strategically placed in far away places. Like there there are no bathrooms near us at all. Like I have to I have to decide to go to the ladies room. It's a, it's a decision. It's a decision that I with, have to with with enough time. Right. I have to decide. Right. I, I can see this is going down a very dark path. Right. So as I think about like, you know, just kind of maintaining fitness and all the strides that I've made at home during the whole pandemic, working from home and everything, I'm realizing that going to work is really going to sabotage my efforts. I'm not happy about that. Or you could just purchase a urinal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that solves the problem. But. I won't be doing that. But uh, thank you for the suggestion. You're welcome. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about like all the ways our lives are going to change as we go back to what we call normal. You know, like all the things that we've been doing at home that we can't do necessarily at work anymore. Like I can't go and kind of get started on dinner early. You can't go and like maybe clean the house. Laundry. Laundry, like all of those things. Meal prep. Meal prepping, that's a big one. So just kind of thinking about the implications of going back to work, like what that means. So how has it been for you outside of the, you know, or inclusive of the water issue with you transitioning back? You know, I'm not real happy about it. And I know some people are like, oh, I miss people. And, oh, you know, I missed interaction. Uh, Well, I actually think coworkers are overrated. (laughs) Not so much. Just to be quite frank, I think coworkers are overrated. You're forced to like people because you do have to like them to some degree regardless as to what people say, you're forced to like people you really don't like. And it's just such a fake environment to some degree. And I believe that's why people have been more productive at home. It's been interesting. That, so, that wall, that barrier is removed. Right, right. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been a transition. Like having to get up, get dressed, do your hair, do mm-hmm. makeup. Like it's, I'm so out of that world, that a whole routine is a struggle. Like, I have to really be intentional about, like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to wear? I haven't had to think about that in a year. Yeah. It takes, like, two hours to get dressed. It does. So, yeah. So, I, I feel so, everyone's So, how pain. are you going to solve this water issue? Are you going to drink less water? Or are you going to consider my suggestion or another suggestion? Okay. So, the urinal what is, is out. Plan? So, I, I don't know what I'm going to do because I, I'm not going to be able to sustain drinking a gallon of water a day when the bathroom is so far away. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Doesn't your body adjust when you drink a lot of water over over a period of time? Don't you go less? It it does, absolutely. Absolutely. But I still got to go. 
gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now. <laughs> so, so for all of you who are making the transition back into the office and having to kind of rethink things, uh, we feel your pain. So, on that note, well, Lori, we are going to wish you well. Thank you so no much. No pun intended. Water at the well. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, there's another topic I want to talk about, which I wish you wouldn't, but I know you are. But this, you know. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not going in the direction I think people might think we're going with the conversation. So for our listeners, some of you know about the whole situation with Lil Nas X. Let, and let me just clear this up because my initials are Nas. And so this is not a smaller version of me. This is a totally separate person. So you already know this is not good. Right. So there's a rapper. Um, had a hit out a few years ago and um, just released another song. So this the the issue or the situation uh, surrounding this is um, Lil Nas X um, partnered with this um, agency in Brooklyn and um, they created some Nike Airs, 666 Nike Airs, and um, and released them and they were sold in minutes. They were like over a thousand dollars. So, but here's the issue. The issue is they are called. Satan shoes. Well, that's the first issue. Right. They're called Satan shoes. And the why, why would you purchase something called Satan shoes? I don't know. I don't know. But the media is calling it satanic panic. That that's what he's created, satanic panic. So he and this agency partnered together to create these Nike Airs and their Satan shoes. They have a a pentagram, I think, on the the on the tongue top, of the shoe. On the toe of the shoe. And then in the Is it the tongue or the toe of the shoe? Uh, I, I think, think on the tongue of the shoe. Yes, on the tongue of the shoe. And then in the sole of the shoe is a drop of blood. Whose blood? Apparently, members of the team. What team? His team. It's their blood. So this has really created a whole issue. Nike has come out and said, listen, we had nothing to do with this. You used our shoes without our permissions. Like, it has created this whole thing. They're, they're suing them. But this is, my, this is my— And they settled recently. They did settle. So this is my question. My question is, who did they run this idea by? No one. Clearly. Because this is the thing. If this is the idea you said yes to, what was the no idea? You see what Very I'm saying? Good point. Like I'm always and and the firm, right? Well, okay. So let's just let's okay. So I'm gonna make yours one B, and I'm going to make my statement one A. Hashtag WTH. <laughs> right. That's the that's one A. One B is who did they run this by? Who did they run this by? Like what? If this was the yes idea, as they're going through, like, you know, the whole creative process and you're yes. brainstorming, whatever. If this is the yes idea, let's make Satan shoes. What was the no idea? What didn't make the cut? Like, I'm, I'm always curious about that. Well, let me go to point two. So apparently, someone believed that there was a market for this shoe. Had to be. So where do you find the people who would buy this type of shoe. And how, how much did they have in sales? I don't know how much they had in sales, but the, the, the sneakers were like $1,018. Right. And they sold in minutes. Okay, and there were so 666 clear, so clearly pairs. there's a market for it. There's a market for it. But even if there's a market for something, as you're going through the ideas, again, as you're going through the creative process, I'm thinking, if this was the yes, what was the no? What did you say no to? What didn't make the and cut? And then they had the nerve to put a Bible verse on the shoe. 
It just they also printed with Luke chapter ten verse eighteen, referring to Satan's descent from heaven. So again, you know, I I just I I wonder about like as we make decisions and just and just kind of bringing it home. Like as we make decisions in our own lives, there's got to be somebody that you just toss stuff out to. Like you got to run some stuff by people because it may make sense in your head. Whoever he ran this by, it made sense in their heads, too. That's the scarier part. But for me, why would you play around with Nike? Nike has very deep pockets. Did you actually think that you were going to get away with increasing the price of their shoes that they have manufactured with their logo with something that they probably did not agree with? And think that they were not going to come after you. Again, somebody said yes to it. Somebody said, you know what? This is an excellent idea. Let's go with it. And this is word to the wise for everyone. When you have a friend who comes up with an idea like this, please say hell to the no. Again, no pun intended. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just on this whole pun thing this morning. You are on the pun thing. Our topic for today. We got a great topic. We do. It's a great topic. Leadership should shine. I like it. So, are the best leaders always chosen or selected? Age old question. Another sigh. Emoji sigh. Yep. I wish you could see my face right now. Emoji sigh. Live version. So, Lori, are they always chosen or selected? The best? No, not at all. Not at all. No. Okay. No. You know, some leaders choose themselves. This is true. So it's this entire self-proclamation. I have decided I am going to be the leader. Well, back in the day when we played this game, Follow the Leader... Did you self-proclimate yourself as the leader or did someone select you as the leader? It makes a difference. It does. Because you can't lead unless you have followers. Bingo. You can't lead unless you have followers. So with that in mind, some things happen. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite things you will hear me say, and that pertains to little Nas and your water issue as well. Some things will simply happen by design or default. And so that means you can try to have a plan for it to go very well. But even if you don't have a plan, Lori, by default, you will still have to go to the bathroom. True. If you drink a gallon of water. So, you know, even with leadership, the same thing happens. If we we don't plan or if the followers don't galvanize to decide who they want to select or choose for a leader— then that means people definitely begin choosing themselves. And then that's where all the chatter begins. True. You know, I agree. We, we're having a situation here locally for us, although we know we have listeners everywhere where some have chosen themselves 
Lots have chosen themselves. Yeah, lots have chosen themselves. <laughs> Probably about eight or nine have chosen themselves. But it will be very interesting to see how this is going to play out. Who the people choose. Very interesting. So, you know, leadership definitely should shine. It should not be something that people do begrudgingly with an attitude. I have personally turned down leadership positions because I didn't feel like my disposition or attitude was going to be helpful because I didn't want to do it right at that particular time. It doesn't mean that I won't ever do it. It means that at that particular time with the information that I have, I would opt out and not do it. And I think timing is important. I think you raise a really good point Mm -hmm. that you need to know the seasons in which you need to lead or you're called to lead. And there's some seasons where you need to follow and some seasons where you need to lead. Correct. mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the timing doesn't line up with what your agenda may be because I feel like people do have agendas at times. But the people will always let you know. True. That's and, what I was always taught. The people will let you know if they want you to lead. True. And it's important to not let other people's agendas determine yours or influence oh, yours. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because people want you to lead, and it may not be the right time or season for you to lead. That there's some other obligations you have. And I think a lot of people make bad decisions in terms of leading, and it's not the right season. And then they end up being bad leaders, not because they're bad mm. leaders, but because they're in the wrong season. It's not the right time to lead that. Right leader. Wrong time. Right. Correct. That's kind of profound. I like that. Mm -hmm. So are the smartest leaders followers? What do you think about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think some of the best nuggets that I've learned about leadership through trial and error have been because I was following and I was very intentional about following. And I may not agree with what the leader has said, but I still will follow because if that's what the majority decided, that's what we will do. I am not an individual who, I'm not going to go against what the majority has decided because the people have spoken. Now, some people are quite misinformed when they vote or have spoken, which, you know, I'm not in agreement with that. But that has been, you know, for me, I've spoken against that prior to voting or prior to the decision being made. So what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to go home and talk about this for another week. You've made your decision. Now live with it. Now, as you know, Lori, oftentimes this comes back around. So in two months, then people are blowing my phone up. Oh, my gosh, you are right. Well, it's not about being right. It's about the fact that. I did know this was going to happen based on the information that we had. You didn't do a deep dive. You were more uh, interested in aligning with individuals who may not have been as informed for, Mm. you know, even for a popularity Mm -hmm. uh, perspective. If it's because you all like green apples, if it's because you all play the drums, if it's because you all walk five miles together, that, that still, I still need for people to be independent thinkers. And for me, being a good follower of a leader still requires me to be an independent thinker. Well, that's a good point because I did some research. And, um, well, first of all, let me say this. In my, when I was in graduate school, I did my research on followership. 
That is, I love that. <laughs> Every time you say that, I'm just like, right. followership. Followership. So I did my research on followership. Um, so Robert Kelly, back in 1988, um, was really kind of the pioneer on followership. And so he listed these five followership styles. Um, and then I kind of built on his um, on on his research. And what mm-hmm. the cool thing is, I will get graduate students now that will email me and ask me permission to use my research because it was published. Awesome. But I love the fact that I th- that people are studying followership because we talk so much about leadership, mm-hmm. and leadership is really really important. But if you don't have good followers, nothing gets done because it's Absolutely. the followers that do the heavy lifting, right? So as I was doing some research, you know, um, Barbara Kellerman, who's the author of Followership, How Followers Are Creating Change and Changing Leaders, she says there are five skills that you need to learn as a good follower that will make you a better leader. So I just want to go over those five skills. So the first one is awareness. Uh, Kellerman says that good followers learn to read people and understand what makes them tick, what upsets them, and what motivates them. I really think that's, that's a good point. I, I think that's an excellent point. And I'm going to go a step further. I, I believe in being self-aware. That's you have to know yes. what makes you tick. You have to know what you like as well. And then the whole goal is to marry the two, right? Because if you like something and your followers don't, then there's tension or friction. So true. That's a very good point. She says the second skill is diplomacy. So she says good followers learn how to get along with those who have differences while not ignoring those differences, because as a leader, you cannot afford to be oblivious to those around you. So and that's good. simply being heard. So, so good. You, yeah. Even if you don't like my opinion or agree with it, I still get to have one. And why, Lori? Because we're not afraid to use it. Not afraid to use it. Absolutely. <laughs> the third <laughs> skill, she says, is courage. So Kellerman says being a good leader means having the courage to dissent if you think your leader, manager, or supervisor, or superior is doing something wrong, this requires guts and conviction that are necessary to be a good leader. Couldn't agree with that more. Absolutely. And I certainly don't need to speak on that topic. You know, I will challenge without being disrespectful. That's how it begins. It begins with me not being disrespectful. Now, if you insist on jumping bad or trying to get ignorant, that's probably not going to work out well for you. Because I am very adamant about the fact that as a follower, I get to have the courage to challenge if necessary. Now, again, that doesn't mean I don't think people should just jump up in meetings and try to put people on blast. That's not what I'm saying. I will actually go to the leader individually first, try to understand their perspective, But if this continues and now we're in a group effort and I have tried to reason with you five or six times, that's just, yeah, it's probably not going to work out well. Well, you know, I agree with you. And I think to this point, I am amazed at how many people will be on the train with you and and know that we're about to derail and not Mm -hmm. say anything to the leader. Right. And they want you to say and it. They, right, and they want so you to say it. So they're blowing up your right. phone. <laughs> right. So you know what? You should, no, no, no. Because see, I don't have to have a caucus with anyone about my conviction. I know what I believe. I don't need to caucus about it. And I don't need you to give me permission to put the leader on blast. No, actually what you should do is get off my phone. And go call the leader and yourself. And go call the leader yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. But a lot of people don't have the guts and the conviction. Right. 
to to say, they're hey, cowards. listen, we're about to derail and we need we need to stop the train. So that now they're they are a coward on the train. Yeah. So I'll still be living. Because we're getting off the train. Because I'm on a whole nother track. <laughs> we're getting off the train. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So the fourth skill, Kellerman says, is collaboration. So she says uh, leaders who have been good followers understand how to work with people to bring out the best in them. So let me just say this. For all of the supervisors I've ever had in life who said I was too collaborative. Wrong. You're too collaborative? I have been. I have been accused of being too collaborative. Really? Yes. And we all know I can make a decision without collaborating with anyone. But I have been accused of that. Because usually the critique is that one's not collaborative enough. I have been accused of being too collaborative. That's interesting. Because you know what? I do want to know what every level thinks about a major decision. Now, I have, in, in the position that I have now, I have had to caution some people that I will not be collaborating with you on everything. But something that impacts them directly, I feel like they should be able to weigh in. And then I will take the information and evaluate it from there and then make my final decision. Wow. Interesting. Too collaborative. Well, my, obviously, my past supervisors got it wrong. They also told <laughs> they me. got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. They also told me on an evaluation that I was, because I could read people very quickly, which is just a natural instinct I have, that I was being judgmental. And so when the book Blink came out, yes, I just gave them a copy. Wow. Hope you enjoy your reading. That's so interesting. Wow. Well, you know, the other piece of this collaboration is bringing out the best in people. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think there's an art and a science to that. I don't think everybody is as skilled at, at that as, right. as they need to be as leaders, you know? Absolutely. Without being manipulative. Right. Because... We've seen that as well, right? We have absolutely seen okay. that, right. And and I think bringing out the best in people means spending time with them and knowing how, again, how they tick, going back to another skill. So, you know, I, I think you have to invest in people and spend time with them so that you know how to bring out the best in them and what's in them to bring out. Absolutely. Because everybody doesn't have the same thing on the team to bring out. And then the next uh, skill, the last skill that... Um, that you need to have, according to Kellerman, is being able to think for yourself. So going back to the point that you made. Independent, being an independent thinker. Being an independent thinker. Mm -hmm. That in order to be a good follower, you need to have critical thinking skills. You need to be able to think for yourself because as a leader, this is critical. Yes. And so, again, I've been accused of being argumentative because I am an independent thinker. It is not that I'm being argumentative. It's that I'm an independent thinker. I'm entitled to an opinion. I get a vote just like you do. So why in the hell should you be able to voice your opinion? But then when it comes to me voicing my opinion. You're not allowed to? Okay. Well, I've been accused of thinking too much. I've been accused of overthinking. Laura, you overthink. You think too much. Well, can... Is that a bad thing? Don't, don't no, don't, that's that's you. Don't one of us need to kind of think through all of this? Yes. You know you know why? You know why? Because typically, so opposites do attract to some degree, but I think even in friendships, right? And so you need balance. So I don't like to get into the whole opposites attract. I just I just like to deal with balance. So you need people to balance you. I know I am the idea person. 
hey, this is what we should all do. We're in the sandbox. Let's leave the sandbox and go and get ice cream. Well, the place that we would like to go get ice cream is probably 15 miles away. Well, if we're like five, how are we getting there? We certainly can't ride our bikes for five miles. So we do need people to say, well, hey, Nikki, how are we going to get there? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'm like, I'm the idea person. I came up with the idea. Cue Lori. Okay, so how are we going to execute this plan, right? So how are we going to get from the sandbox to the ice cream parlor to get the ice cream, right? Yes. So I'm the overthinker. I'm like, there's traffic, there's stranger danger, right? So I, I'm the one thinking of all of, there's dogs that aren't on leashes, you know? And I shout out to all of my uh, friend girls who have traveled with me, who are now dying laughing on their sofas or in their homes. You know, I have been the idea person. And guess what? It has always typically ended well for us and fun. A couple of pivots that we've had to make, a couple of pitfalls, people we don't know, people we do know. But through the years and around the world, that has been my role. <laughs> right. And as a thinker, I'm like, how, how do we mitigate the, the pitfalls and the pivots? This, this, is, this is my role. So, yeah. And, and sometimes you have to be very fluid moving back and forth. True. You know, between the two. So if you're in a foreign country traveling... <laughs> I remember we were somewhere, and this person, who shall remain nameless, was like, oh, I got to hook up my, let's leave the spa. We can go and get these massages from this guy. Oh, no. No, we cannot. <laughs> no, oh, no. So oh, no. I just, so again, instead of just being confrontational, I said, okay, now in my mind, I already know I'm having a plan. So see, I moved from, visionary and idea person to tactical person because I'm saying, hmm, foreign country. I don't have what I need to have with me in order for us to get out alive. So I'm just going to go along for the beginning of this ride. This is not going to make sense to this person as we continue to move through their plan. And guess what? It ceased very quickly. They, they came up with it themselves. This is a horrible idea. Yep, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, you know, for me, um, being, being a leader, there are traditional leaders, and then there are non-traditional approaches and styles. I prefer the non-traditional approach and style just because I think leadership evolves. And so leadership... While it may not change, it does evolve, if that makes sense. True, it does. So, you know, if you are watching the Jeffersons or Good Times, we are not the same bosses or people of authority as they had back then. So the whole yelling thing and screaming at people thing, like, I don't want people doing that to me, so I refuse to do that to, to anyone else. I had a boss like that. Okay, well, that would last for like one day. Cussed everybody out. Like in modern times? When I was out of college, one of my first jobs, and she would stand on top of the desk and do it. Where is she today? I have no idea. But she was a a small woman, 
a petite woman. <laughs> and I guess to feel larger or feel oh, heard, God. she would literally climb on top of the chair, then get on top of the desk and start yelling and cussing everyone out. It was the most surreal experience of my life. It was crazy. So out of college, so that's been a number of years ago. So yes. where was HR? There wasn't an HR department. Lori, 20 years ago. You know, I worked for, let me tell you, I worked for this, this um, cosmetology school, right? Like right out of college. Ah. Right. So it was cosmetology, cosmetology, estheticians, um, massage therapists. What, what were you planning on doing? I just needed a job out of college. Okay. Because I'm saying right. theology. No, this was before okay. seminary. So I the, just needed a The preacher right. who does nails. Right. I didn't know that's where we were going with that. <laughs> no. I wish I could do my nails now. <laughs> But and she was the owner of this okay. school, okay. and so and she she was a force to be reckoned with. She was a piece of work. That's what she was. She was a piece of work, and it's so not necessary because I I think you can move again. I I believe or I know for a fact actually that, and in a virtual environment, this may be more difficult, right? That people should be able to see you move from. Okay, I'm being collaborative. But let me tell you, I mean business right now, without yelling. Because well, as an adult, who needs to be yelled at? Right. And I remember how I felt when that would happen, like being in that environment. And so definitely kind of being aware of that. I mean, I, it's so unnecessary and so unprofessional. And why the heck am I acting surprised? Because I had a boss who was like a witch. You know, like in The Wizard of Oz? Right. The Wicked Witch of the West? Yes, on the okay. broom. The Wicked Witch of the West on a broom and was had the nastiest disposition. Would yell, would cuss, what she quoted someone and said that they had the brain of a caterpillar. Now, let me just ask you this. Who has studied the brain of a caterpillar? I, I'm I'm in a lot Scientifically. Of Okay, well, and what say it in front of other people as well. So first, let me just get this straight. It's not okay for you to say that to me when no one is around. But it's certainly not okay for you to say that to me and you're trying to, you know, show show off. In front of people. In front of people. Because let me tell you what you're going to get back. You're probably not going to get the Jesus in me. Lori, you may have the Jesus in you, but it won't be the Jesus in me. <laughs> you will get the straight outside... You will get the straight south side of heaven from me. Well, I just think that at some point, behavior just becomes abusive. And it then, is abusive. And then you just have to deal with it according to what it is. You know, some behavior is unprofessional, some behavior is distasteful, and then there are some, some leaders who are just absolutely abusive. Well, let me also tell you what a leader did to me. What did they do? In the middle of a global pandemic, a leader reduced my salary to $400 gross per month. Unbelievable. Per month. So my net was $92.71. And so this is an annual salary that has been reduced to this. And did not even have a conversation with me about this in advance. So just did it. Just, just did it. Made the decision. And made the decision without me being, so not being reprimanded. Never been written up. None of that. As a matter of fact, I, I had gone above and beyond for this employer. And the sad part is that they thought all of this was okay. 
my family was on their insurance or on my insurance, which belonged to the to the to the company. And this all took place in the middle of a global pandemic. Unbelievable. But let me just tell you how good God is. How good is he? I took that $92.71, tithed off it, enjoyed my three-month reprieve, didn't want for anything, and now I have the outstanding job that I have today. So let me tell you about nasty. That would be one of the nastiest things that I have ever seen. And there will be a price that this person will pay for that. Yeah. Just like Reverend Franklin. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, and you know, I, I, you know, you raise a good point because you know our faith, you know, teaches us that you know we, you know, we are kept and sustained by God, you mm-hmm. know, and that God is our source. Everything else is a resource. Right. Right. And so when resources dry up or when resources act funny or 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 try to hurt us, exactly. you know, we have to be mindful of the fact that that our source is God. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, and and we are his children and he takes care of us. And that was, yes. you know, your story is a, a wonderful reminder. Yes. That he elevates. Absolutely. When you let go of things that no longer belong to you or you don't need, um, God, God absolutely elevates, but we have to allow him to do so. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to walk away from nasty leaders. Right. And leave them where they are. And yes. so that you can then learn. So, so in that moment and in that time, I've learned this twice. I've learned who not to be. Yes, that's so good. And so when I make decisions or when I'm speaking to people now, I never want to be that person or those individuals and so I, I, again, I'm very intentional about not being them. Because it, it's so easy to, you know, to happen. You know, the thing that we hate in others, we can easily become. Right. Right. And who wants to become that? Right. That's such a good point. So the hybrid plan for me I, and, my, and my staff that I probably will present. So you mentioned going back to work and how hard it's going to be. I am going to do a hybrid plan. So we will work from an office part of the week, and work from home the other days. Nice. Forever. Nice. That's my plan. Nice. So well, that's part of the workforce. I mean, a lot of companies and organizations are kind of reevaluating how they how they did things right. pre-COVID. Um, and so this and because is, we have a lot of volunteers, you know, I, I get it that people want the social socialization of it. Right. And some employees want the socialization piece. Everyone does not want to work from home. But... In some research that I was reading, it stated that you as the leader determine that. So if you're going to allow people to work at home, then you don't need to show up to the office every day as the leader. Mm, good point. Because that sends mixed messages. Yeah, good point. So, you know, and, and some final thoughts for me, you know, in today's society with leaders versus followers or, or leadership versus followership. Yes. As Dr. Lori Morton stated. Yes, prophesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, Lori, it's coming. But, you know, we, we, we approach leadership completely different because they are so into followership, this generation. Well, when I say this generation. So that would be the Gen Zers, the millennials. However, I actually think that could be good and bad. In what ways? So when we think about George Floyd 
and the ability to have followers join the protest. Followers of all races and creeds and religions, that was a great way to exhibit followership. However, on social media, I believe followership for them goes a bit far. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And we've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit too much. And so I even think with millennials and Gen Zers, they do a great job of challenging the existing regime of leaders who should step aside. Yeah. I think so too. I but I, I think there's a place for the wisdom of Absolutely of the boomers, right? I, I think there's a place for it. And and my I guess my reluctance, especially with the Gen Zs, are like this whole attitude or philosophy of I need to be at the top from the very beginning. Well, you mm-hmm. haven't lived long enough. Or earned it. You haven't earned it and you don't have enough experience right. to make the kind of decisions and have the kind of wisdom you need to run something efficiently. Now, so, so why can't we marry the two? That would be the ideal approach is to marry the two. So that means that baby boomers would need to groom, which culturally is a challenge for us. Well, succession planning, period, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, most organizations don't do that well at all. You know, Correct. We just start over every single time we need a leader. Which as is such a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy, time, resources, money. Um, but I, I, I like the idea of, of grooming the next generation. And I wish companies were, were more intentional about that. Correct. Because you need the wisdom of the boomers. You do. But you need the the savviness and the energy and the creativity of the of the Gen Zs. So on my team, well, for for my leadership team, I have more millennials than I do anyone else. Nice. And 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 they and they do an incredible job. Now, trust me, we have some conversations and I'm like, did you, did you just say that? <laughs> yeah. Well. But, it, but the good thing is that because I have the wisdom that I have, I can impart that upon them and they receive it. That's true. So, yeah. you know, everyone doesn't receive it. Some people are hesitant about sharing their wisdom. But if you know it's falling on great and fertile soil, then you will share. And I think it goes back to that whole leadership piece of leaders having integrity mm-hmm. because people will receive your message when they know that you have integrity, when you know that they yes. that you have their best interests at heart yes. and the organization's best interests at heart um, and you, you're credible. Correct. But if you think millennials are putting up with people yelling and standing on desks Absolutely and not. telling them that they have the brain of a caterpillar, they are not. And so I do not encourage anyone, whatever generation you're in, please, please do not do that. Don't do that. Don't don't receive that for your life. That is not what powerful life is about. And we certainly can help you not deal with that. We sure can. So this has been another great episode. It has. Leadership and fellowship. Yes. And we'll certainly circle back to this topic. Yes. And, um, and do some more about it. Um, but we want to shout out our wonderful team. Yes. Joseph Salamita is our producer, Audrey Ori, Ori, our brand strategist, and our Beats creator, J.D. Coleman. Thank you so much. Please rate and subscribe, which, by the way, so last time when episode three was uploaded, I received an alert. 
finally. Okay, this now, is great. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one in the world who received this alert because I haven't heard of anyone else receiving it, but I received it. Excellent. And so maybe it's going to be one step at, the, step at a time. Or maybe the upload just has the brain of a caterpillar. <laughs> we hope not. And follow us on social media. Twitter, at Powerful underscore Life. And remember, POW is spelled P-O-W. H-E-R-F-U-L-L-L-I-F-E. Facebook, pal hyphen her hyphen full life, or as they say, pal dash her dash full life. And no, Lori, I'm not going to go into that joke. And IG, pal underscore her underscore full. And our website that is in the making, www.powerfullife.com. And wherever you post social media, hashtag us at Powerful Life. And good old Clubhouse. So, you know, I get these Clubhouse alerts. I haven't been in Clubhouse in like three months. But hey, we're there. Right. And if you need to reach us. If you need to reach us. Find us by our names. Absolutely. Until next time. Light and love. Peace and blessings. And have a powerful life.